Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. Before we get going, I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to today's interview. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, and other tools. Simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Now write this down unless you're driving. That's referralcoach.com forward slash resources. It's also in the show notes. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our free weekly tips. We're always sharing best practices, and we'll notify you of our newest podcast interviews as they go live. And while these are free for you, I think you'll find them quite valuable. Now, on with today's show. When I say LinkedIn, what comes to mind? Fun? Waste of time? Confusing? Great tool? Why bother? (laughs) So here's the real question. Is the time and energy you're putting into LinkedIn turning into tangible results, meaning is your activity with LinkedIn creating new qualified clients? Today, I'm going to speak with a financial advisor who is using LinkedIn to acquire new clients. Over the last year, he's brought in about 30 new qualified clients directly through his activity with LinkedIn. Very few advisors can say that. His name is Armando Salavanti III, though he goes by Mondo. He's on the newer side of this business, but has discovered a formula that works for him, and it might just work for you. Mondo made a mark as the youngest ever blue chip council qualifier in his company's history in 2021. His notable accolades include recognitions such as Rookie of the Year and New Advisor of the Year in 2021, with the primary focus on serving individuals in tech sales or SaaS sectors. Mondo has skillfully leveraged LinkedIn as a pivotal tool in his professional journey, boasting an impressive following of over 15,000 individuals. And I can tell you that most advisors are lucky to accumulate 500 to 1,000 followers on LinkedIn. Armando Mondo Salavante, welcome to Top Advisor Podcast. Bill, thanks for having me. Really excited to chat today. Uh, likewise, I follow you on LinkedIn a lot. I see your posts all the time. You have a lot of fun, clearly. Uh, when we were preparing for this interview, you told me that you first got started in this business by doing what most new advisors do. You pursued your natural market. Then you hired a marketing agency. That didn't pan out. So let's start with you telling us the story of what didn't work for you when you got started. Yeah, I think a lot of advisors go down this path when they are successful with reaching out to their natural market. And now you start thinking, okay, this this can't last forever. It won't last forever. And I need other avenues to get clients than only referrals. As you know better than anybody, referrals are critical, but multiple marketing strategies in a business is also critical. So I start looking to LinkedIn because... Prior to being a financial advisor, I actually was reselling sneakers and I built that business through Instagram. Doing that, I said, you know what? 
Instagram's probably not my best place to go for financial planning clients, but LinkedIn it looks like a better medium to go to. So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pitching people, sending out as many messages to as many people as I could. Hey, I'm a financial advisor. Want to learn more about my services? Very little results. Sure. So next I start paying a company to do automation. This company sends out even more messages. So something doesn't work. Let me just do more of it. <laughs> and, and of course, that didn't work either. Right. So after I, I probably spent about two, three grand, then I pay a marketing agency $4,000. Now, I think the marketing agency actually had a good plan behind things, but I didn't think it was it was personal to me. I didn't think it was going to work for my business and my situation, and it didn't work. And actually, they ended up getting a complaint filed on uh, a non-solicit, someone who was on a non-solicit list or something and whatever. But those were some of the mistakes early and, and what led me into those some of those mistakes. All right. So I've got to backtrack just for a second, because I don't think I remember you telling me this when we prepared for this call. And that is you resold sneakers. Just yeah. give us a glimpse yeah. into that world. <laughs> So think Nikes, Air Jordans, uh, there's Yeezys, there's even New Balances. Surprisingly, there's certain shoes that resell for more than the retail price. So basically, these shoes will come out for retail price and they sell out. And if a shoe goes for $150, maybe it resells for $220 or $200. When I was in college, I collected these sneakers pretty much my whole life. And really, Bill, I got bored during the pandemic and I'm like, all right, I want to find something to do now that I have nothing to do. Because at the time I was in my last year of college and started buying and reselling sneakers. And I scaled that on Instagram up to almost 10,000 followers in five months and did a little over a hundred thousand in revenue. Now the margins are, are small. The margins are only about 15%. But it was really good experience. And I always tell people, I feel like I got an MBA, even though I never went to business school just from that experience. So you weren't reselling used ones. You would buy them, they would sell out and then become more valuable. Is that how it worked? So there was that side, but there actually was used sneakers too, because a lot of times what would happen for very rare pairs, they would be once or twice worn. And people would then say, okay, if I bought this shoe for now, when you talk the rare pairs, just really quick, they go upwards of $500, $600, even up to a thousand. So say I had a $500 pair, someone wears it one or two times. Maybe they go and sell that for 300 bucks then used and it's worth less because it was worn, but there is a market for those surprisingly as well. I guess unless it was worn by a certain person, like maybe an NBA all-star, in which case it'd be worth a lot more, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not go down this uh, this sneaky rabbit hole here. Uh, sorry for the pun. Um, I just, what, what, But now I know why, as a new advisor, you had a little bit of money so you could actually hire a marketing firm because most new advisors don't have you know, two nickels rubbed together for something like that. So... Uh, talk to me about LinkedIn. How did you discover and make a decision to move forward with that? So after these mistakes that I made, I remember feeling very discouraged because when I was reselling sneakers on Instagram, 
it almost was just this formula of build as many relationships as possible, talk to as many people as possible, post my content and business comes. And I was trying to do that with LinkedIn, but I was trying to do it in the wrong way. So a few months go by, I'm not really posting and behind the scenes, I was reading books, I was taking courses, I was reading blogs, watching YouTube videos, but I wasn't taking much action. It was just a passive approach. And I was really going back to leaning on my warm market and referrals and cold calling even, which everybody can't stand cold calling. Finally, the summer comes, I have some downtime. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to take another shot at it. I take a course. Um, It was from Justin Welsh. He's a pretty big uh, influencer on LinkedIn. I take his course in July. I did a coaching call with him in August. And I just took the approach that I know nothing. And I'm going to follow everything that I learned in this course and in this coaching experience. Next thing I knew, I was getting leads coming in as soon as the first month implementing some of that. And Throughout that year, I think I gained maybe seven clients, but it, was an, it wasn't a lot, but it was enough that I realized there's merit here. There is something I can do to make this a repeatable, predictable lead source. And before we dive into the specifics of what you've done uh, with LinkedIn, um, which I believe anybody could apply you have a target market, right? And and I know that LinkedIn tends to work better when you have a very clear, specific target market. So talk to us about that a little bit. What is your target market? Did you um, stumble upon that? Did you, did you go looking for one, knowing it was a better way to roll? Uh, just tell us a little more about the market, first of all, before and then how you're applying LinkedIn to that. We'll get to that. So as I was a new advisor a few years ago and I started, originally, I think I did what every advisor does. Oh, I'm going to work with doctors. I'm going to work with business owners. I'm going to work with pharmacists and medical professionals. Like the, the typical people you think of is like, these are good clients. Didn't work out for me because I was trying to go at a market that I really didn't know anything about. It was just, hey, they make money. Let me work with them. As I shifted to LinkedIn, I started broad and I was posting content the way I was getting clients initially after that course and coaching experience I mentioned, people were coming to me, I think, just out of likability. And those seven clients that I mentioned, I think it was just, hey, this guy's an advisor. I like this guy. Let me talk to him. So I stumbled upon them. But as I've gotten better and the biggest increase I've seen in business this year, you mentioned over 30 clients and year to date, I think over 120 inquiries. That's shifted because I've dialed in who I'm talking to. So a lot of the people that were coming to me that liked me were people in tech. They were people in SaaS, software as a service, people who are in sales. I think they related to a lot of the things that I talked about, about planning with a variable income. And as an advisor, we know best we're planning with a variable income for ourselves. So it was easy to relate to these people. And that's what led me down pursuing them as a niche. And now almost exclusively, I would say out of 10 leads that come in, eight of them are coming from the tech sector. 
No, that, that's textbook perfect, if you ask me, because you look at your you look at who's responding to your message, who's responding to you. And what usually happens there is who we are, how we are, how we play will attract the kinds of folks that kind of like us for who we are. And we usually end up liking them. And and there's that feeling of similarity. I love uh, the variable income um, aspect. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so how you talk about what you do, they can see themselves in the message, right? And that's that's empathy. And that's the key word in, in all of marketing is having people see themselves in our messaging. Uh, average age of prospects, are you, are you working with, with younger folks, generally speaking? Is it, is it changed over time? Talk about that a little bit. I would say the average, if I had to say like this one person is my average client or couple, really, it's probably the 35 year old couple with two kids under five years old making 200 to 300,000 a year. That's probably the average client or household I'm working with. Right. And and you're a little bit on the younger side for those of you who can't see the 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 video. Uh Mondo's a very handsome young man and uh so <laughs> uh you know, again, we tend to attract people like ourselves. What's going to happen though, of course, and I'm sure you figured this out is all of these people and you're all going to grow together, aren't you? And they're, they're making decent money and they're going to hopefully with your help, they're going to be saving a lot and uh, you're going to be wildly successful over time. Uh, already having some great success. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems that your activity with LinkedIn boils down to three main things. When I remember our conversation, you're posting content. We want to talk about that a little bit. You're commenting on other posts and I think you told me you're doing a lot of commenting, which is, I believe, a great strategy. And then you're striking up conversations with folks uh, who you meet through the comments, either your comments on their post or their comments on yours. Is this an accurate summation? If so, please elaborate. Yeah. So it all starts with what I'm putting out in the content, because the content that I'm putting out, if you look at it, I'm speaking to one person. And who that one person is, is my ideal client. So I've taken time with coaches of, of mine very recently, actually, to dial in who am I speaking to? What are their pain points? How does it materialize in their life? So for example, if I'm I'm going to put myself in my client's shoes, you wake up or not wake up, you, you look up and you see all of your sales trophies in your office at, at your at your job. And all of a sudden, an email comes in for a college tuition invoice, and you're faced with regret. You don't know, do I need to pay out of my 401k for my child's school because I don't want to tell them they have to take loans? So just a quick aside, situations like that that you can articulate, illustrate, and materialize to then put into content is critical because, as you mentioned, Bill, that's where people think, oh, this guy gets me. That's how I feel seen. So that's the first part. I'll stop there. I don't know if there's anything you want to dive deeper on before I continue. Yeah, I do. It, you use them really the magic words. Uh, and that is, for example, when I'm interviewing someone for this podcast, I love it when they'll say, for example, and then give me something tangible. Well, this I believe the same is true. And I'd like your comment on this. When we're talking to prospects or clients, 
when we go for when we say for example and then we give them a very specific situation that that's a real situation it just makes everything we're talking about real and more identifiable and it sounds like that's what you're doing with these these posts is you're you're giving various examples of the situations that your ideal typical clients find themselves in and they resonate with that is am i getting that right there's a guy, Alex Hormozzi, he has a book, $100 million offers. And in the book, he talks about a value equation that's like how he conceptualizes what an offer looks like in terms of value. And the components of it, I don't remember exactly all four of them. There's four of them, but it's the dream outcome. And then you're looking at what the cost of it is, what the perceived likelihood of achievement is. And I want to dial in on the perceived likelihood of achievement, because when you talk about, for example, when you're giving someone these real life scenarios that you've been through and you've had, and especially when you're doing it in content, a random person who never met you and that sees this now sees you as, oh, I'm a financial planner but here's the real thing. So my perceived likelihood of getting this dream outcome working with you is that much higher because I'm seeing it in action by the way that you're giving the example. So that was a long-winded way to say, yes, I think the examples help a lot, but I think the context behind it is important too. So who was that person you mentioned? Uh, I didn't quite get his name. Yeah, it's Alex Hormozzi, H-O-R-M-O-Z-I. He has a book, uh, $100 million offers was his first book. I think he released it three years ago or two years ago. And then he actually has another book that just came out, $100 million leads. Gotcha. Good. Alex Hermosi. Thank you. So content, we're kind of touching on that. Anything more to talk about uh, the type of content you're posting? It sounds like it's mostly examples. I mean, I've seen some of your posts that they're a little more personal. Uh, you're talking about yourself, your family a little bit. I've seen a few times. Is that in addition to just give us a, the range of content that seems to be working and making a difference? Where I see people go wrong is focusing on the technical stuff. What's going on in the markets, this complex strategy or whatever you want to call it. And that stuff has its place. I think, I think there is a way to integrate that in your content and talk about it effectively that your audience wants to tune into it. But the personal stuff you mentioned is really important to blend in and it amplifies the effectiveness of all of the other technical stuff. The reason being people can get that technical stuff with a Google search. Sure. It's great coming from you, but it means more coming from you when they know the person behind it. So I'm trying to blend all of those but also the majority of my content is really focusing on the illustrations that I talked about a couple minutes ago. What are the emotions that my ideal clients are feeling? What are the situations that they're headed towards? What are the consequences if they don't fix these things? Because that's what's going to prompt them to reach out to me. Yeah. So if I had to summarize this, I'd, I, what comes to mind is adding um, humanity and, and reality into, into the content. And I know that that's what generally uh gets more traction in in linkedin as well it's not just the technical stuff you know you should look at this kind of annuity or this kind of etf or whatever um 
Yeah, this is good. So let's let's talk about commenting. Uh, from the way you describe it to me, it seems like your commenting activity is really the linchpin to making all this work. Do you agree with that? Um, you know, how have you turned the commenting on others' posts into a pipeline for your clients? You could take a few different approaches with commenting, and I I have taken different approaches. One way to do it is that you're commenting on your ideal client's posts. So let's say for me, I work with people in tech. If I find a bunch of people in tech that are also posting content consistently, I can look, when do these people post? I can ask them when they post because then they'll know that I'm following along and supporting them. And they might never become a client, but if they're in my niche market, they probably have connections in my niche market. So if I'm popping up on their posts all the time and people in my niche market are also reading those posts, seeing my comment, if I'm one of the early commenters, this is a way to get eyeballs on your profile. And the idea with that is if they can come and then view my profile, well, my profile should do the job of showing what I do, who I help, how I do it. And if they feel seen again, that's when they'll reach out. And you, you described to me that um, your comments are uh, your dials. In other words, people keep track of how many dials they've made and how many appointments they've set, good things to track. Uh, you keep score uh, of your comments, don't you? When I got into this business, a mentor of mine told me, you got to be making 50 calls a day. 50 calls a day, that's going to yield you the appointments you need to be successful in this business. And I, and whether that's just some ar arbitrary number or whatever, I followed it. Fast forward to LinkedIn, I have a coach and he's like, you got to be making 70 comments a day. 70 comments a day, that's going to get the activity that you need that's going to get you enough leads in your inbox. So just like with cold calls, you have your goal there. With comments on LinkedIn, I look at it the same way and I still make dials traditionally, but this is another spoke on the wheel of marketing for me. And I, and I use it as a prospecting method. So I'll, I'll literally time block, like this is my time to go comment. And I look at it as prospecting time. Wow. I've never thought of it that way. And, and 70, uh, I try to do three or four a day. <laughs> um, but I get it. I mean, I, I was just had a call with a, a colleague of mine, um, uh, I'll, I'll mention Michael Goldberg. Uh, he's kind of well-known as, as a networking guy in this industry, and he's getting a lot of traction from making comments and doing more activity on LinkedIn. And I mean, LinkedIn loves a conversation. And so, and that's apparently from what you're describing, that's what turns into the, the results is when you actually strike up a conversation with someone, uh, by the way, I, I urge everyone to listen uh, to an interview I did with uh, Richard Bliss. Uh, it's at uh, Top Advisor Podcast, uh, Podcast episode number 49. He understands the LinkedIn algorithm better than anyone I know, and, and he will validate Mondo's commenting strategy and also a bunch of other cool methods. One of the things I learned from Richard is you don't want to post and ghost. And what he means by that is when LinkedIn sees you make a post and then you just get off LinkedIn, it notices that somehow, the algorithms. And so when you make a post and then you go and you comment a few other posts, a few other people that you might be following or whatever, 
LinkedIn seems to like that and rewards that and will give your post a little more juice. For our listeners, in about one minute, I'm going to have Mondo tell us about how he strikes up these conversations on LinkedIn. He's going to go into more depth around the commenting and how that really makes a difference. And I really want you to stay put and listen to this because it's really, really valuable. But first, let's take a brief pause to listen to a word from our sponsor, Pod Rocket Influence Academy, brought to you by Proudmouth. First, they make this podcast possible, and their core business is helping financial advisors like you accelerate their influence through marketing activities like podcasting. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. Proudmouth. If you're like our clients, you want to spend more time educating people and less time selling. That's why we turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. We help you amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. Be your own loud. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention our newest, even better than before, Academy for Relationship Marketing. If you want to learn almost all of the strategies and methods that I've taught to thousands of financial professionals, our Academy is the place to go. So do yourself a favor and visit thecatesacademy.com. It's thecatesacademy.com. You can go through everything on your own, or you can add some one-on-one coaching with me if you prefer. And if you decide to join our academy, use the coupon code TCA200, the Kate's Academy, TCA200, to save $200 off the already affordable tuition. Now back to my conversation with my featured guest, Mondo Salavanti. Mondo, as promised, talk to us about how you create conversations with folks on LinkedIn and how these flow into prospects and some of whom actually become clients. What's that flow of commenting conversation and let's say conversion. Hey, I just made that up. The three C's, commenting, conversation, and conversion. I like that. (laughs) You might have to coin that phrase. I think you got something there, but I think I do. You go back to, right. There we go with the thumbs up (laughs) with the level of commenting I'm doing. So I mentioned 70 comments a day. That sounds crazy to the average person, right? Like that's a lot of activity. Yeah. The thing is, I have a list of people that I'm going back to repeatedly that I enjoy their content. I'm consistently on their stuff and they notice that. So with me doing that, that drums up more profile views. It drums up more activity on my stuff. The more activity on my stuff and the more profile views, that brings more people to have an excuse to actually reach out to and have a conversation, which is then leading to direct business. So how though? What do I mean by that? If someone's commenting on my stuff and if someone's viewing my profile, that's an easy opportunity for me to say to a commenter, hey, appreciate your support on my posts. I don't take it lightly when someone supports my content. Just curious, insert question about financial topic that I posted about. And you you could spark conversations that way. With someone that views my profile, it's a similar thing of like, Hey, glad we're connected. Thanks for viewing my profile. Just curious. Was there anything specific that caught your eye? Was there anything you had questions about? And a lot of these messages, 
will be, oh, nothing, like just was looking or happy to support or whatever, no real questions. But a lot of them will come back as well, and there'll be something. Something's poking at them. Something's on their mind. And there's even been enough people, Bill, where I'll notice something in a comment that they say that might leave some uncertainty about a financial topic. And I think that that gives you the right of way to reach out and say, hey, man, I don't know if you really need this help, but I noticed you said X. think it might make sense to have a call and, and see if there's any way I could add additional value. That's gotten me some clients as well. So those are the three main ways that I'm I'm using conversations from profile views and from commenting. And the, this, I love this a list of people that is kind of a target list to comment and engage with. These are all in your target market, I'm guessing. Are you connected with these folks or, you know, officially connected uh, through LinkedIn or not necessarily? So one thing a marketing coach of mine had given me advice on was to identify these people. Most of them are influencers that just have big followings with a lot of engagement and when I first compiled this list, I have an Excel document with links to all of their profiles so that I could just click comment, click comment, and, and I don't get lost doom scrolling the feed and wasting time. But when I first made the list, I reached out to every one of them individually and said, hey, just want to let you know, I'll be following along and supporting your content as much as I can. I looked at some of your pieces and really liked them. When do you post every day? And I asked all of them. They would, most of them reply, most of them say thanks, they're appreciative, no matter how big the followings are, even people upwards of 100,000. And a lot of them ask, well, when do you post? I'll check your stuff out. So that's how I compiled the list and went about actually implementing the strategy. All right. So this is gold. I want to make sure people get this. I want to get it myself. Um, for anyone who's serious about using LinkedIn and whether the advisor, him or herself is doing this, or they have a team member that might be helping with this. So you've identified influencers within your target market. These are people that probably post fairly regularly and have a decent following. Am I right on that, first of all? Yeah, people that post at least three times a week, I would say, and okay. have pretty have good engagement on their posts. All right, good. By the way, quick tip, uh, LinkedIn will restart the show and reward your first post of the day. Any posts that follow after that, LinkedIn will not reward and show. It could get a little bit of traction, but it's unlikely. So usually you want your first post of the day to be the one that you really want to make sure you get traction. That's a little different than commenting, of course. Um, all right. So you've, you've, and then you reach out to these people with the message saying, I, I I like your content. I I'm going to follow. I'm going to comment when I can. When do you typically post? I mean, that's a real, I think, pretty powerful message. And so they'll naturally connect with you, right? And and that even starts a little conversation. They might even say, "Who are you, and why are you going to follow me and comment?" Right? To, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, I think the power behind it is very simple. When we have someone that comments on our stuff and likes our posts, it, it makes you feel good. You got more likes, you got more comments, it's social validation. So when you're telling someone straight up, I like your stuff, I'm going to support it. You have one supporter in me every week. That means a lot to them. 
And I'm telling you, because I've gotten this feedback again, people upwards of a hundred thousand followers that even if they're not going to be an ideal client, because one of the things with this bill that's interesting, and this was a coach of mine that helped me with this. Some of them are not necessarily people that would be ideal clients or in my target market as an influencer. They're people that are in complementary industries to my target market that they follow for things like marketing specific skills or copywriting or business coaching, just stuff like that. So I think that's where the power lies in it, that they see you're supporting them and the law of reciprocity in, in the book Influence, Robert Cialdini or Cialdini, still don't know how to say his name. He talks about the law of reciprocity and I think it, it plays into to that. You support someone, they're naturally inclined to support you back and reciprocate that. I think this is very powerful and this is really, it's the commenting. Uh, the posting is important, but it's the commenting. And I know, and you've probably seen this, that someone could post one of these influencers or anywhere really one could post and not get much traction on their post. But then when you comment, LinkedIn starts to show that to some of your followers. So your comment to their post starts to give their post more traction. And hopefully they see that. And if they know how LinkedIn works, then they know that it's you that started that chain reaction, perhaps. Um, this is, this is, this is great. This is, this is the nitty gritty. Uh, this takes a little bit of time, right? And that's why you you block out a little bit of time. Is it is it every day or is it three or four days a week? Uh, talk about just how you make sure this happens on a regular basis. So for me now, what I do is not what I did originally, and it's not what I would advise any advisor starting to do. Because okay. there's one one thing that I'll say as a caveat: I've gotten everything to the point where it's pretty much a machine leads come in. I know, I know what to predict, not every day, but on a monthly basis, I could pretty much say, Hey, I'm going to get this many leads. If I put this activity in, I'm blocking out 7am to 9am. And that's when I'm on LinkedIn and engaging seven to eight is engaging with other people. Eight to nine is engaging with people on my stuff. Now, if my stuff is a little bit dead, I'll go out during eight to nine and engage on other people's stuff to try to generate some traction. That's my schedule. Now, when I started, I was doing it outside of business hours and just trying to generate any buzz whatsoever, because really it was a non revenue generating activity for me. It was, it was a waste of time, quote unquote, when I started, I wasn't getting business. I was just starting from ground zero but I saw that there was probably opportunity. So I wanted to give it time. And as it evolved, I started blocking it into my actual day of uh, revenue generating activities. So I think outside business hours is the best place to start. Now I'm not saying it needs to be two hours, maybe it's a half hour at first, and then you see some traction and you ramp it up. But that's the journey that I went on in terms of the time I'm giving. So while you said it was a waste of time, it really wasn't, was it? You were developing a habit, uh, you were figuring out how to do it, and uh, you had to create that momentum. Uh, some of these strategies, it takes a little bit of time to create that momentum. Same yep. thing with referrals and introductions is the more we do and the more we bring people in through referrals and introductions, then the more momentum and the snowball effect, if you will, the compounding effect uh, starts to happen. So uh, this has been great, very 
strategic and tactical, I would say, at the same time. My featured guest on today's show is Mondo Salavanti. Mondo, thank you for sharing the practical, valuable uh, content you did today on Top Advisor Podcast. Bill, really appreciate you having me. Really enjoyed it. To you, the listener of this podcast, may I ask a favor? If you like this episode or like the podcast in general, please leave a five-star review on the platform to which you're listening to the show. Not all platforms have a place for use, but if yours does, I'd be grateful. Thank you. If you haven't already, there are two places for you to visit. Referralcoach.com forward slash resources for a bunch of guides, checklists, scripts, videos, free and valuable. And then also check out the Kate's Academy com thekatesacademy.com for the most comprehensive referral and introduction training on the planet. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy.